subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't done it yet. We're up to 154 subscribers now. I'm desperate to get to 200 by the end of the year. I'm starting to flag a little bit now. I'm 151 of those subscribers. <laughs> I've created lots of fake email accounts. No, 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 not really. But subscribe to our YouTube channel and get the message out there. John's message on the end times is one of our most viewed um, sermons on there. So it's, it's an intrigue, isn't it? That what we're living in. I want to tell you, if you're concerned or if you're worried or if you're anxious and you want to talk about the things that are taking place at the minute in all seriousness, then please do come and speak to myself or Rob or one of the leadership team Then we'll be happy to talk. We don't want you feeling afraid because what we hear and what we see, there's a lot of noise going on at the moment, isn't there? But what did Jesus say? Let not your heart be troubled, but he also said this in Luke. He said, when you see all these things happening, men's hearts failing them for fear, nation rising against nation, total chaos, when you see all this happening, don't be afraid. This says, look up. Look up. But not just look up, lift up your head. For your redemption draws nigh. Your redemption draws near. That's not a time to be sorrowful. That's, that's hope. Your redemption, you who are redeemed, those who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, He's coming back for a glorious church. Jesus is coming back. Don't be worried about what's going on in the world at the moment. Yes, it's a concern. Yes, it's interest. Yes, we need to pray for people. But I thought we, we talked this week, me and, me and Rob, we, talk, we actually did talk. <laughs> After 10 minutes of silence, we thought we'd better say something. In serious, we did talk. And I said to Rob, I said, can you imagine? Just ima and I'm, I've toyed whether to say this or not this morning. And I'm, do you want me to say it or not? Do <laughs> Are you still going to love me if I say it or not? Get on with it. Because some things when you talk about end times, Israel, Palestine, things like that, you end up offending people. It's very divisive. And I said to Rob, I said, can you imagine, Rob, if we woke up on the morning after and it was horrendous, it was horrific, it was everything that happened was just... You can't imagine what took place. But can you imagine if the Israeli Prime Minister stood up the next day and said that we forgive? How, can you imagine the ramifications of that? We love them. We forgive them. Can you imagine if he did that? That's what I said in my heart. And for some people, it would be like, you cannot say that. It was horrific. It was horrendous. But what did Jesus say? Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount said, Bless those who curse you. Love your enemies. Can you see the tension of, of Jesus said, You've heard it say revenge. You've heard it say eye for an eye, two for... Can you imagine the, the, the tension of when Jesus... So we can read his Sermon on the Mount, but this is the implication of it. And a few months back, I had to have this very conversation with someone, not about Israel, but about someone else. And they got really angry with me when I said, you've got to love your enemy. Well, they're doing this to me. They've done that. The Bible says you've got to love your enemies. Don't just love Jesus. said, Don't just love those who love you. Even the tax collectors do that. What profit is there when you love those who love you? You don't, you don't gain anything. But what about when you actually turn to your enemy, someone who spitefully, and say, hey, I forgive you. I love you. I want to tell you, that blows them out of the water. You've seen that many times in your life. I've seen it a little. I'm starting to learn a little bit. Because their response to me was like, how can I do that? How can the Israelis forgive Hamas? How can, they, how can the people forgive for doing something horrendous? And again, we've got no idea of what they faced. But how can you do that when you walk in the Spirit? You can only do that by walking in the Spirit. 
because it's not natural. In the natural, like we said, if they came and they took Rosie and, 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 and killed Rosie, you'd want to you'd kill them. In the natural, I'd wanna, you would, wouldn't you? Every, we're not, that's not debatable. But Jesus says, love them. You can only do that with the Holy Spirit. One of the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. We need to pray for them. That's our job, is to pray. But lift up, look up, don't be afraid. Because it could even get you, you've seen the protests and the things even in this country that we kind of think, well, it's over there. I want to tell you, it, in our city, places of worship, that it's going to be divisive. But Jesus says, as the days get darker, rejoice because the light is getting brighter. Everybody's got a story. And how more important is it for us to share our story? Share the name of Jesus. Yeah? Oh, man. Still love me? <laughs> well, this person didn't. They went out offended. They went out offended, upset, quite enraged, I would say, against me when I spoke the truth into them. But that's okay. Still love them. Still love them. See, we've got to keep moving. We've got to keep moving. The church of Jesus is a movement. Church is a movement. And sometimes we feel stuck, don't we? Sometimes we feel like things aren't moving. But the very every time I read my Bible, I'm interested in seeing how God moves. So it says, it says this in Acts. It says, in Him we live and move and have our being in him we move and when we shift from preaching the word or we shift from promoting the gospel with joy and excitement and compassion then we slip into routine we slip into status quo we just slip into going through the motions and we go from being a movement to being a monument. <laughs> and it's our job, the leader's job, is to discern and recognize what is happening in, in our church. Not the global church necessarily, but in this church. Because I want to tell you, if you're part of this church, we're not on our watch. And Wendy keeps saying it. We're not going to be a monument. This is a church that is on the move. Speaking truth, speaking life, speaking joy, speaking light into the darkness. This will be a church that will keep singing their song. While I've got breath. And I want you guys to hold us to account. That if you think we're not living the way we should preach or, or declaring truth. Or this church is not doing what they should. I want you to come to us. Yeah, is that fair enough? Because the next stage on from a monument is a mausoleum. <laughs> you may say, what's that? It's not a place near Liam. <laughs> a mausoleum is a place of death. It's a big, depressing building where there's no life. And the danger for some churches, sadly, is that that's what tends to happen. When they're not declaring words of life, words of truth, preaching the gospel, that's what happens. But it happens slowly, subtly, little by little. But this is a church of movement. I want to be in a place where things move. See, I could also say, how would you feel if this church actually stopped, ceased to exist? That's a good question, isn't it? I asked myself that this week. What would you feel if we suddenly, Rob, just thought, that's it, I'm done. Me and Wendy are moving to the south of France. Me <laughs> I thought there'd be a few more amens here. <laughs> Word of knowledge. Me and Joe thought, that's it, we're moving to Australia, we're done with the church. 
how would you feel? Because sometimes we take this church for granted. Yeah, you probably would. But what if we said, that's it, we've sold the building off, we're locking the doors, we're done, we feel like that's it. How would you? Well, that's good, but it's good to ask yourself, because we do take this place for granted sometimes. I've done it. I come in and we go through the motions in our Christian life. But God wants a movement to stir ourselves up. Now is the time to stir ourselves up. See, and the question would be, are you moving forwards? Are you moving forwards? Or have you become stationary? Or have you become like a mausoleum? Only you can answer that. I don't want you to respond to me. You have to be honest. The Danish philosopher, Soren Kierkegaard. <laughs> Sorry, I got it off Google. It's okay. I didn't. But this is what he said. He said, life is only to be understood backward, but must be lived going forward. That's quite profound, isn't it? I'll say it again. Life is only to be understood backward, but must be always lived going forward. See, what does that say to me? It says, when we're in something, we don't understand it fully, do we? Until you can look back and think, ah, Ah, that's the reason why I went through that. But when we're going through it, it feels painful. It feels like God's abandoned you. It feels tough, doesn't it? If it's a hard time, it feels like, God, where are you? But it's only looking back that you can understand. But you've got to still keep living forwards. I remember the, the, the line, for those of you who've seen the film Lion King, you might remember the Lion King, Yeah? And it, I think it was Simba, wasn't it? He, he kind of went off and, Muf was it Mufasa was his dad? I think it was Mufasa was his dad, wasn't it? I've alienated half the church now. They're kind of, people are like, what on earth is he going on? Rob's, Rob's lost, he's gone. <laughs> but what did Simba do when he ran away because of Scar killing his dad and they blamed it on Simba? He, he, he looked back at the past and the, 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 the little monkey thing hit him on the head, didn't he? And he kind of was like, out. And he went, what did you do that for? And he said, it doesn't matter because it was in the past. <laughs> and then he went to hit him again and he ducked. And he said, ah, you've learned from it. He said, the past, you can either run from your past or you can learn from it. Isn't that good? From the Lion King. <laughs> Great, Phil. Some of you would be watching it now on Disney Plus, won't you, this afternoon? No, not you, Mike. Mike's looking at me lost as well. You must have seen the Lion King, surely. But life is to be only understood backwards. See, and when something goes wrong in our lives, what's the first question very often that pops up into your head? Why? Why? <laughs> Isn't it? When something kicks in that's, that's not pleasant, that goes wrong, we question, we say, why? Why has this happened? What does it mean? Or the classic, why always me? Why me? It's funny that we never question that when something good goes on in our lives, isn't it? We never question that and say, well, why has that happened to me? Something brilliant. I've just won the lottery or something. Or not really do the lottery, but something positive that happens. We don't question God and say, well, why has that happened? I want a, a free apple pie at McDonald's on their peel <laughs> stickers the other day. On the Monopoly one, I want a free apple pie. And I didn't suddenly go, God, why has this happened to me? I just took it as a win. But we do, don't we? We take the wins and we don't, we don't necessarily thank God for the wins. We just think, well, of course I should have the win. I'm, I'd live in Plymouth. So sure, sure, that's why I just deserve a win. But we, don't, we always question why things happen when they're bad. It's strange, isn't it? No, I didn't. I haven't eaten it yet, actually. It's still at home. So, well, we'll maybe take you out to McDonald's. When, 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 when have we got you for lunch again? You're not going to McDonald's. <laughs> That's my mission. When, whoever gets Terry, we share him around on a Sunday. So take you down McDonald's and get a selfie with you with, down at McDonald's. 
that's our mission. But it's funny, isn't it? We don't question things why when they go good. And that's even more so. I've had many conversations. And the other week, I went for a little bike ride down to a Reston slipway. You think, oh, oh yeah, yeah, Reston slipway, yes. Yeah, the promised land. <laughs> and I wasn't meant to go down there. I kind of just went for a but I thought, I've got to get out. I was praying too much for you guys. I'm thinking, I've got to get out. It was like... I need some fresh air, I thought. So I went for a little bike ride, and I said to God, it was one of those rare occasions where I actually said to God, God, wherever I end up, I end up, okay? Not usually, I just drive, so I think, oh, yeah, that would be nice to do that or do this. And, and so I went, I thought, I'll, I'll ride my bike. ended up at Reston Slipway. And as I'm sat there, just grabbing a drink, thinking, right, I'll ride back home, four kayakers came in onto the slipway. And you know when you kind of think, all right, God, what, do you want me to say something or, or not? Because, you know, I'm never usually shy to say something. So I thought, oh, let them come up, get their kayak onto the slipway. And I thought, if they speak, then I'll speak one of them. And so as they all started bringing up, the slipway was quite slippy. It's a slipway. A slippy. This is a slippy slipway, okay? <laughs> And so one of the kayakers, as he's trying to get his boat out, was <laughs> like Bambi on ice. He was kind of slipping all over the place. So I said, I thought, before he said, I said, do you want me to give you a hand? So he was like, oh, yeah, that'd be great. And his three other mates were there. Tattoos all over their body. Neck, hands, shoulders, knees and toes, knees and toes. It was one of them, where, you know. And I'm thinking, and they looked like, a biker gang or something, I'm thinking, do I even like speak to them? Kind of, you know, I'm kind of like, you know, are they, do they want me to speak sort of thing? You know, some people can be quite intimidating. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll say, do you want me to help? Anyway, one of the guys said, oh, you've had a little, you could see my bike. And he's like, been for a bike ride, have you? I'm like, <laughs> he put two and two together and saw my bike and said, have you been for a bike? Yeah, I've been for a bike ride. And he said, oh, day off, is it? So I said, funny that, my church usually say what you're doing, doing for a bike ride on a day off. So I said, yeah, actually, I've just come for, to pray and kind of think things through and whatnot. I said, I'm a church minister. And he slipped on the... <laughs> <laughs> Next thing you know, he's shouting up to his three mates going, oh, there's a, there's a church minister down here, he's going. <laughs> Guess what I've got? And he's going, come down here and, you know, do your confessions and all that, he's going and... I was oh, here we go. <laughs> so then he says the classic, but you don't look like a church reverend. I don't know what that means. They keep saying this. I don't know what a church reverend's supposed to look like. I don't, and I actually said to him, what am I supposed to look? And he said, well, not like you, he said. <laughs> so then he started actually asking questions. And one of the things he said was, Why? Why? God's been silent throughout all these years of COVID was one of those things he said. Why does this happen? Why does that happen? And as we started talking, I just sensed that I actually said to him, I said, this is a God moment. Do you know that? I said, I wasn't even supposed to come to this place today. And I said, I prayed and asked God and said, God, take me wherever you want me to go. And I said, here I am speaking to you four guys that have been kayaking, doing your own thing. And I said, here I am to just tell you that Jesus loves you. And they said, where's your church? And I said, it's up by Estop, past the mausoleum. I said, go past mausoleum, <laughs> come up through Estover, and then get, and they said, I know that building. They said, is that the one with all the graffiti over it? They said. <laughs> I said, well, if graffiti's gone, you'll be pleased to know, I said. But they said, yeah, we know where that church is. And they said, you never know, we might just come along one Sunday morning. Amen. And I said, you'll be always welcome. So if you're listening today, you're welcome. We'd love to see you in this place. And this is what they said as they left. They said, thank you for having the time to speak. And they said, you know what? They said, you'll be the topic of conversation tonight in the pub when we meet. <laughs> so I was like, I don't know whether to take that as a compliment or not. I didn't tell them where I lived. <laughs> so I don't know if they talked about, but isn't it interesting that even in those moments... And yes, all right, I can, it's an icebreaker. Many of us 
struggled to have an icebreaker to start. I can just say, look, I'm a church minister. And they're like, oh, are you? It's not easy to start a conversation. But I want to tell you, you've got a story. You've got a story to tell. And it's being aware and sensitive to the Holy Spirit to say, God, do you want me to say something to this person? Because you just never know. These guys look like guys that they would intimidate and that you think, I can't talk to them about church. I can't talk to them about Jesus. But they were actually intrigued. They wanted to know. One of them said he actually used to go to Sunday school. And you just never know. You never know. Tell people your story. See, I want to, I was going to bring something different. So I said to God, Rob did a brilliant job with David over the last couple of weeks. Can you remember the three things? This would be a test now, wouldn't it? The three things that David did. Number one, the three points that Rob brought. Come on, the top hat. This is like family fortunes. Listen, so he was obedient. Yeah? What was the second? Helen and John going back through their notes. Look. The funny thing is, even Rob can't remember what. <laughs> so number one was David was obedient. Number two, go on. Serve the brethren. Well done. And number three was love the brethren. Yeah, well, I see. They remembered. Good. You paid them. Yeah, one of them was his son-in-law. <laughs> and I thought, what do I bring this week? And I couldn't get away. I'm thinking, I don't want to speak on David and Goliath because Rob's done it for two, two weeks. But God said, I want you to still to stay in it. <laughs> so I'm kind of like, God, really? Can't I just go for a bike ride down to the slipway again? That seemed to be. <laughs> but we're going to stay there because there's four words that are going to help you move forwards. <laughs> I knew you'd like that one. <laughs> That was a slap the leg moment, Matthew, all right? We had a great time with Matthew and Anne-Marie yesterday for coffee and cake. It was great. Before we knew it, it was like half past seven. And it kind of the evening, it just like the day had just gone, and it? it was great. Great seeing you guys. But four words to take you forwards. This is a movement. This church is a movement. So if you turn to 1 Samuel 16, please. Because David had mastered to some extent this notion of this Danish philosopher who said life can only be understood backwards but must be lived forwards. He had understood that. And in 1 Samuel 16, the very first verse there, it says that the Lord came to Samuel and he says, how long will you mourn for Saul who was the king seeing that I've rejected him? It says, fill your oil, go, go forward, and I will show you I will provide myself with a king. God's going to provide for himself, so don't you worry. God's going to provide for himself, but he also promised to provide for you. God's going to do it, so don't worry. Don't worry. God says, I'll provide for myself this time. See, Israel chose Saul as king, but this time God's saying, I'm going to do it. You made a bit of a bad job of it. They looked at the natural physique. Saul was head and shoulders above everyone else. They looked at the natural, but God says, I look at the heart. Yeah? And Saul, uh, Samuel said in verse 2, he says, how can I go? Have you said that one to yourself recently? How can I do this? How can I deal with this? How can I get through this? But God says, I will provide. It reminds me of Abraham and Isaac in Genesis 22. You can have a look later on for your homework. I like giving you homework. I like giving people homework. This afternoon, Genesis 22 of Abraham and Isaac. What did he do when Abraham, when God spoke to him? And they were going up the mountain. He said to him to sacrifice Isaac, who God had given. And as they were going up, it says that Isaac looked around. And he says, the wood I see, the fire I see. But where's, where's the sacrifice? Where, where, how, where's the solution? To, didn't really, I don't know if it dawned on him or not. It must have at some point as he was being laid on the altar. But he says, the wood I see, the fire I see. But where's... The sac where's the answer? Ever said that? Where, 
How am I going to get through this? Where, like Isaac said, where's the answer? But what did Abraham say? He said, God will provide. <laughs> the very same thing that Samuel said here when God said to him, he said, I'm going to provide. And he did. He provided a, a ram in the thicket, didn't he? And they sacrificed that instead of Isaac. But David had understood. Understood. See, David had understood that the previous battles that we, we read, and this is now going into um, da, 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 verse 34 and 35 of chapter 17. We can go there in a minute. But David understood. It said that the previous battles had given him confidence in the Lord, hadn't it? It had given him confidence. It said the lion and the bear had come to try and take away the sheep. And it says that he destroyed, he killed the lion and the bear. Why were the lion and the bear coming? Why were they there? They were only there because of the sheep. See, the enemy only comes in the same way to, to, to harass you. is because you carry something important. The same is that the only reason the lion and the bear came to David was because of the sheep. If the sheep weren't there, the lion and the bear wouldn't have come. And he wouldn't have had those battles. In the same way, if you're feeling today the enemy's having a go at me, I want to tell you, be encouraged. If the enemy's having a go at you, that means you're carrying something of importance. Who saw the rugby last night? What a game, the rugby, wasn't it? But if you notice, they're only going after the ball carrier. Who's carrying something? They don't go after the guys that are running around like, not with a ball. They don't go after them. Do you want me to do that again? <laughs> who, do they go, who do they tackle? Who do they focus on? The one who's carrying something. The same way in the spiritual. If you're feeling like just the enemy keeps having a go, I want to tell you, that's because you carry something important. You carry the anointing. You carry God's presence. And so he's only coming after you like the lion and the bear did because there were sheep, because there was something of importance that you hold and you carry. See, and it says in, in, in 1 Samuel 17, 1, it says that the Philistines had gathered. Why had they gathered? The same principle. They had gathered because most likely they had heard that Saul had been rejected. They had heard that God had rejected him, and so they thought, let's get together, and this is the time to attack Israel. This is the time. Obviously, God's forsaken them. This is the time to come in and attack them. Isn't that the same in our own lives? That the enemy is always ever alert to try and come and bring you down when he knows that you're disappointed or disillusioned. He knows. He comes to try and take advantage and to pounce on that disappointment and that discouragement. But I want to tell you four words to take you forwards. Four words to take you forwards. Number one, you've got to recognize your identity. Can we get that on the screen if possible, mate? Get you working? Is he? Is that a cardboard cutout there of Lee, or is he? Oh, he's not. Oh, he's. <laughs> you're right, mate. Don't worry if you can't. Recognize your identity. Number one, who you are in Christ. That's number one. First and foremost, David knew that he had been anointed. Previous chapter, verse six, chapter sixteen. It says that Samuel came and anointed him. He knew he was anointed, David. And it says that from that moment forward, <laughs> from that moment forward, the Holy Spirit was upon David. He knew who he was. And today for you to move forwards, you need to know who you are. I need to know who I am. His brothers knew who he was. They were there when he was anointed. But David stayed humble, faithful, obedient. For home reading as well, read Ephesians 1 and 2. Read Romans 8. Read 1 Corinthians 1, 21, where it says that we are now anointed. The Holy Spirit is within you. 
You're a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. You've been made a new creation. Old things have passed away. Your old life has passed away when you've accepted Jesus. You're forgiven. You're redeemed. That's who you are. The enemy's going to try and come and steal your identity. To tell you you're not good enough. To tell you that you've not been forgiven. To condemn you. But I want to tell you there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. You're forgiven. You need to know who you are in Christ. Recognize. David recognized who he was. Number two. You've got to reach for your staff and your sling and your shepherd's bag. Verse 40. What did it say? It says, then David, he took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones. And he took his pouch and he put them in in there. You need to walk in that reach for your staff. What does the staff represent? It represents your authority. It represents your authority, your gifting, your calling. They go together. Jesus says, I've given you all authority. We talked about that last night. I've given you authority. Walk in that. Luke 10, 19. Over all the power of the enemy. And it's interesting that David didn't wear any armor in the battle. It says in verse 38, it says that Saul clothed David with try to put his armor on him. And David actually says, what does he say in verse 39? He says, I cannot walk in it. That's interesting, isn't it? He couldn't walk in someone else's calling. But God says that you walk in your own calling. You've got to walk in your own authority that God's given you. See, David didn't wear any armor. I remember on our, um, someone else tried to put their, their clothes on him. I remember it was our anniversary tomorrow, wasn't it? 19 years tomorrow. And then um, I remember on our wedding morning, the day after, what do you call that? The day after you get married. Men, just be quiet for what do you call the day after you get married? The wedding, best day ever, absolutely. <laughs> But the, is it the wedding breakfast or something? Like the day after. So it's not like the morning of your wedding. The morning after when you... Is it the wedding breakfast? Or it's not called a wake, is it? It's not... What's the, <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. We love each other. We've been married. <laughs> Looking good in green this morning. Looking good in green. <laughs> She's going to hate that. But our wedding morning... They, they, we got married in the Continental, wasn't it? There you go, that's a good memory, isn't it? The Continental, it's still there after 19 years. And they lost my suitcase with all my clothes in it for the night stay. And so the morning of the breakfast where we had our family, they all came down as well. Couldn't get rid of the family. They were there at the breakfast as well, coming in for a free breakfast. And then, money kidding. And as I came down, I was thinking, where's my, they had lost my clothes. Didn't have my clothes for coming down for the morning breakfast. So Jill was like, well, my dad's got some stuff you can wear. <laughs> Her dad being sort of medium build and kind of... So I come down the morning after with sort of leg jeans up here like this and a skin-tight shirt coming down to eat my breakfast the morning after. That would have been a little bit like David, but the other way around. It's not nice wearing someone else's clothes. And he doesn't let me forget it neither, does he, sometimes? Huh? I was cross, yeah, a bit like your Dunkin' Donuts cross. I was not happy. But he, huh? Happily married, Happily married of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> that was, you're not, oi, you're not on, Joe's preaching in a few weeks' time, all right? That would be your opportunity to say what you want to say. All right, you've got the mic, you will, yeah, she's writing it down, all right? You just be quiet for the moment, all right? It's not your turn. But it's interesting. David didn't wear any physical armor. But the Bible says in Ephesians that we're to wear spiritual armor. And we don't take it off, as you say. We put on the spiritual armor. You put it on. Keep it on. 
keep it on. And it goes further in Ephesians to say that we don't wrestle, 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 we don't wrestle flesh and blood. I am still thinking about the. We don't wrestle flesh and blood. We need to discern who we're fighting against. It's not flesh and blood. We're not also called to fight the devil. Do you know that? It doesn't say that anywhere in the Bible to fight him. But we think we've got to, we've got to come against. It says submit to God. That means submit. Not, there's a difference between submitting and being obedient. Submitting to God is saying sometimes we think, God, is that the... But you submit anyway. Submit to God is a higher rank. It's actually the word there, submit, is a military term. And to submit into rank, God being top is kind of commander-in-chief. And then you have like lieutenant, captains, generals, common folk, <laughs> drummer boys. <laughs> but we submit to God. And then what? We resist the devil. You don't fight him. Jesus fought the devil and won and take all his power and authority on the cross. He's already done that. Thought you would amen that. But we need to know it because sometimes we're wrestling the wrong fight. We're getting involved in battles that we shouldn't be getting involved with. But resist the devil and what does it say? It says he'll flee from you. He'll flee. But it might mean, Stan, it says when you put on all the armor... What else does it say? It says, when you've done all, stand. Stand. The word stand there, the withstand, is actually the Greek word antihistamine. That's where we get the word antihistamine from. It's a block. It's a stand. It's a coming up. Almost the implication is face to face. So not fighting, but you're saying, hey, this is ground that God has given me, and I'm not moving. I withstand the enemy. You resist him. And he flees. Having done all, stand. See, our responsibility is spiritual armor. Shield of faith. Breastplate of righteousness. Go through the list. So number two, reach for your staff and your sling. Your authority in him. Your gifting. Your calling. And then walk in that. Number three. Of the four words. Number three. So number one was recognize who you are. Number two, reach for your authority. And number three is reject. Reject. Reject rejection. Reject criticism. And reject comparison. I want to tell you, comparison culture in today is killing our generation. The comparison culture... Social media, comparing your life to someone else, what you've got to someone else, is killing this generation. Reject comparison. What an example David was to still moving forwards in this, in his life. What did he have? His first, his family rejected him. His dad overlooked him in 1 Samuel 16, 11. Then his brothers, when he turned up to the battle, what did his brothers do? His brothers um, sort of mocked him, didn't they? Saying, what are you doing here? Criticized him. Then Saul mocked him. The implication is Saul putting on his armor. Saul knew that his armor wasn't going to fit him. And he mocked him by putting his armor on him. And then Goliath belittled him. Goliath said, who you come at me with sticks and what am I, a dog? He belittled him. So he's having it from all angles here, David. So, you know, in your life, when you think, oh, you know, I'll, I'll use me as a, an example. I think, oh, poor old me. I spoke some words of truth into someone and they got offended by me, saying that, poor old me, I need to go to Slipway and have a little ride on my bike and suck my thumb as Rob would. You've got to reject criticism. You've got to reject rejection. David was rejected on many levels. But it didn't stop him going forwards. Amen. When I read this account, there are three times where it says that David ran. The implication is in going forward. He says that he ran forward to meet the enemy of the Philistines. Then when Goliath came to him, he said that he ran and stood over Goliath. The implication is David is moving forwards in the face of adversity. All of this 
And he still went forward. If anyone had the right to feel sorry for themselves, David did. But he didn't say, I quit. He didn't say, I give up. See, he knew he was anointed. And look at this. I, like, I love this bit. This is a good bit. I've circled it in here with a smiley face. <laughs> look at this. He had to take criticism off. Taylor Swift style. You've got to shake it off. You've got to take it off. What does it say? Verse 38. Look at this. Who put the clothes and the armor on David? Who put it on him? Look at what it says. It says, Saul clothed David. David didn't even put the armor on. Who did it? Saul clothed him. But then have a look at the end of 39. What does it say? It says, so David took them off. Saul clothed him, but David took it off. So you can't control what people say about you. You can't control that. But you can control what you keep on you. You can control whether you reject it or accept it. Because some things people say in love, and they are for you. So you don't just reject everything. We need to discern the spirit that's being said. But if someone, if a doctor said something, if a school friend has said something, or family may have said, whatever it is, that a label that is put on you. I don't know what label you're wearing today. Armani, Gucci, whatever it may be. Don't expect others to validate you. Don't expect others to vindicate you. Don't expect others to celebrate you. Don't expect others to get you. David had to reject rejection, reject criticism, reject comparison. He had to walk in his own calling. But David took it off. I don't know what's been put on you or what your history has been like, but there's a time now is to say, God's saying, hey, take it off because I've made you a new creation. All things have been made new. You learn from the past. It may still hurt, but learn from it and move forwards in what God's got for you. Amen? And number four, the four words. So we had recognize, reach, Reject. Number four, you've got to rely on him. Verse 45, rely on him. What did David say? He says, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the, Lord, in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, who you have defied. See, we need to rely on him when it's going tough when things are difficult, you need to rely on his strength, on his faithfulness, on his promise, on his protection. This is what Proverbs 18.10 says. It says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run. The righteous run into it and they are safe. The implication there of safe is actually the implication there in the, in the, is to lift you up out of reach. <laughs> Lifts you up out of reach. See, the difference was Goliath relied on his own size. Goliath relied on his size, whereas David relied on his size. <laughs> There's a big difference. And we need to do the same. Because we don't come at Goliath as a giant in your life. We don't come at him in our own strength. We don't fight the devil in our own strength. We resist the devil, but we say, hey, we come at God in, uh, we come at the enemy in his strength. We rely on him. And to come into close, there's another R. If we don't do the recognize, if we don't reach for your anointing, if you don't reject criticism if you don't rely on him what happens or what tends to happen is 1 Samuel 18 and the title of the, the the little portion of scripture there it says Saul resents David and that's what will happen sadly if you're not moving in in those and I'm not saying those are four keys to success or anything like that they're just a help for you. But if, if you're not moving in maybe one of them, 
or one of them is, is, is lacking, what can happen is that resentment awaits. Because after the, the battle when David killed Goliath, and Rob said it brilliantly, though, he thought it'd be, everything would be plain sailing, everything would be okay, but it says that Saul resented him. He'd just seen everything. that ha- He knew God was on his side, but he resented him. He was angry, he was bitter, he was jealous. And that's what the enemy wants. That's what the enemy wants. Just put your Bibles down, please. Resentment awaits. If you're not relying on him, if you allow rejection and comparison and criticism to be your identity, if you allow that in, if you're not reaching for your authority, your gifting, using your gifting, if you're not recognizing your identity in Christ, then resentment awaits. Because the enemy will come in, the little foxes, and they will bring down, they will suggest, they will come into your mind, and they will say, you're this, you're not good enough, you're too old, you're too young, you're not educated, whatever it may be. Resentment awaits. If you just close your eyes, please, in this time, because it may be today that you just need to embrace just one of those words. To say, yeah, hey, Hey, Dan, I don't, I don't think I'm moving forwards as much as I used to move forwards. Or I don't realize that I've maybe lost a bit in that area of my life. Or I'm allowing those words to dictate who I am, my identity. It may be you're allowing some person who's spoken something over you a long time ago to, to have a hold over your life. But I want to tell you today that God says that he wants you to be set free from those things. And so with all eyes closed, this is a moment between you and God. It's for you today to make a step forward. not going to ask you to do that physically unless you want to do that. But a step forward is is to, to maybe raising your hand to say, yeah, that's me. I need to let stuff go. I need to take some stuff off. Some stuff has been put on me. Like that armor that Saul put on, you need to say, hey, I need to take that off. Thank you. There's some people responding already. If that's you, it's to say, hey, God, yes. I need to take that off and I need to put on my identity. I need to put on my spiritual armor. I need to keep singing my song. I need to learn from the past. It's not a bad thing necessarily, but learn from it. Say, God, you've got my future. You've given me a hope and a future to move forwards. If it's rejection that you're dealing with today, I want to say that Jesus says, hey, you're accepted. You're accepted. I've accepted you. I died on the cross for you to give you life. Just receive that this morning. His acceptance and then move into relying on him. At the very beginning, God says, I will provide for myself. It's his strength, his size that we need to rely on in this season. So Lord, for the people that have responded here by, by raising their hand, or even Lord, you see people's hearts this morning. You don't need someone to raise their hand. You see their heart. And so, Lord, I just pray right now as we come for a time of tea and coffee, Lord, that Jesus, right now, that your Holy Spirit would come and rest upon those people that have responded to you. Whether it's all four words that they need or just one, Lord, I ask today that you help them go forwards. That it may be a place where they felt stuck. They may have felt a place where they just can't go forwards, that they're just in a cycle. But Lord, I pray today there'll be a breaking. There'll be something of a breaking. It's your anointing that breaks the yoke, Lord. And so today, Jesus, I ask that you come with power for those people that are looking to you, that, Lord, you will provide for them. You will provide for them for that by their Holy Spirit, Lord. 
Lord, I pray for some specific people that you would let them know how much you love them as their heavenly Father. That you would start to repair their broken heart. You would repair their broken heart, Lord. And Lord, I pray for people that are still waiting on you this morning, Lord, that you would encourage them. Encourage them again to keep singing that song. To keep singing a song that they don't stop singing in this season. Because you are for them, Lord. And in you, we move and live and have our being. Can you say amen to that this morning? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just, we resist the enemy today, Lord. In the name of Jesus. That we don't fight him, Lord. But we will stand on your word. And we submit our lives to you, God. We rely on you. And he flees. And Lord, we remember to put on our armor. Our spiritual armor. To move forwards in the things of God. Because Lord, you are sovereign. You are in control. You are in control. And we are on the winning team, Lord. Because you hold the victory. You've disarmed the powers of the enemy, Lord. You've made a public spectacle of them. And today, Lord, we rely on your size and not our own size. In the name of Jesus. We keep speaking that name of Jesus. We keep speaking that name of Jesus is our anthem. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We receive those words, Lord, to our hearts. That song to our hearts, Lord, that we're accepted. You're forgiven. There's some people in here this morning that need to hear that. That you're accepted, you're forgiven. So you can move forwards in the things of God. Now is the time to move forwards. Now is the time to start walking again in your calling. In your gifting. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.